You're here. I'm so excited. I'm Dr. Nairi, and this is the Share a Meal podcast. Share a Meal breaks the cycle of dieting and labeling foods. It empowers you to use meals to improve your health, well-being, performance, and relationships by practicing sharing a meal. I want you to feel good in your body, reduce stress, improve your performance, and feel deeper connections. With Share a Meal, you get to use food as part of your own self-care regimen. Every single day, incorporate holistic rituals with friends and family around meals that will help improve your physiologic and psychologic health and well-being, resulting in a rewarding journey with food for the rest of your life. Welcome to Share a Meal. Here we are, Share a Meal. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm getting ready to record now season two. We're happy to have a special guest this season. I'm so excited for this season. And you know, share a meal. This is your time now. You can take control of yourself and stop dieting. Start sharing a meal to improve your relationships, to improve your performance athletically in the workspace, and also build communication with people that you work with, with your family, really, and with yourself. This is Share a Meal. So stop the dieting and start sharing a meal. Today, I'm so lucky to have with me Dr. Jared Spencer. Dr. Jared Spencer is passionate about improving the emotional health of athletes and business leaders. His message is clearer mind, better performance. And you can find this in his book, Mind of the Athlete. He helps people build their skills and their, with a mental toolbox to become the emotionally healthiest version of themselves and thrive in whatever their endeavors in life might be. So here he is. I'm proud to introduce Dr. Jared Spencer. Uh, thank you so much. What an honor to be on with you, Nairi. Thank you. Thanks, Jared. You know, Jared and I have worked together for a very long time. We worked at the Philadelphia Flyers, and that's where we started our relationship, and also with the Philadelphia Phantoms. But we've done, we've collaborated on so many things, sports nutrition conferences, like we have definitely used each other to help whoever we're working with to reach whatever their potential goals are. Right, Jared? Well, particularly because when we look at the mind, we look at mental health, we look at high performance, the interplay of nutrition and the digestive system in particular, along with mood and performance, you can't separate the two out. So sports nutrition and sports psychology go hand in hand. Absolutely. We are totally go hand in hand. And I love that you and I always felt that way in whatever, at whatever kind of space that we were in it. We understand that they do, they go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other, without the fuel to fuel the brain. How yes. can the brain perform? There it is. Well yeah. said. Thanks. <laughs> so, so a few things that we're going to talk about today. One of my favorite topics is team meals and how team meals are go way beyond just the food. Now, the food has a big has a big role there, but I'm going to kind of set that aside right now and talk about what happens emotionally, cognitively between players individually at a team meal and why this is so important to performance. 
Well, it's emotional intimacy really at its core is that when two human beings sit down and share a meal, there is an emotional connection that goes on with those individuals. Eyeball to eyeball, face to face, eating a meal together, having meaningful dialogue. That is intimacy. And that type of intimacy is bonding. It's uniting. There's oftentimes conversations that go deeper. So there's a little bit of cathartic nature to the dialogue and some validation, some empathy, some encouragement. So this is really all about emotional intimacy. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. How can that that ritual, like sitting down with your teammate before a meal, impact what happens in a game or, you know, let's talk about in a game right now and performance, but then I want to like step back and talk about teams also meaning like in the workspace, but with an athletic team that sitting down together for 20 minutes, let's say before a game and eating a meal together, what, what does that do? Well, it's trust. It's really about, I feel like I can trust you more because I know you more. And I believe that in a moment of truth, because I know you more and we have a bond that's stronger now, I know I can rely on you. I know that you're going to be there and I know that you're for me. And therefore, that kind of trust that can come from those type of meals definitely translates into athletics. Like, can you sense things when you're in a room with somebody, like somebody who is always, let's say, upbeat and ready to go, but now today we're sitting down at this pregame meal and something just seems off. And like, is this a time to detect something like that and have a chat with a teammate? Well, not only can you see it through their nonverbals, you can also feel it. We we can feel the energy vampire in the room when somebody's in that negative space and they're just kind of sucking the life out of the positivity in the room. So in that particular context, it becomes really important for an individual, and this is why a meal is so great, is because we can sit down and say, how are you really doing? Are you okay? Yeah. And the individual may say, I'm not. Um, I, I was in a situation not too long ago, I can recount where somebody said that their mother died. And that wasn't something that was going to be easily readily shared. But, but when asked, like, what's going on? It's like, well, my mom died. And that ah. was very emotional. And so yeah. those contexts like a meal are invitations for us to ask a person, particularly who's feeling a little bit down, like, how are you really doing? Does that help, Jared, like getting that out before a, an event or before something that you need to be at your highest level of performance? Or is that something that you should like shut down and, and block and put somewhere different? Well, timing kind of matters. And so the timing of that meal together, I think, is important. But most people aren't eating a big meal, you know, super close to competition. So I, I feel like it's OK. Uh, once an athlete starts to shift into that optimal mindset, and they begin to shift their personality around, then, it, then it's probably a little bit less productive for them to share something really heartfelt and deep like that. But while we're still in that mode where we are relaxed and we're at ease, for sure, having catharsis, which means a freeing of repressed emotion, can really help that individual. And it also helps the individual who heard it because now they can empathize and empathy really is about that connectedness. Yeah. Does anything happen in the brain 
pathways that shift when you do have this type of a time with one another? Well, for sure. Like serotonin, oxytocin, those are chemicals that get released when we have a, a good bonding moment with another human being and it's emotionally connective. So those chemicals are going to make us feel better. So anytime somebody shares a meal and they get up and they leave that time with that individual, nearly always, it's like, wow, I really feel more connected to that person. And I feel better myself because of largely the release of such chemicals such as serotonin and oxytocin. Yeah. Yeah. So do these types of connections then that are built with these chemicals that are uh, released during this time, do they help people maybe get on the same page and like really be able to read each other better on the court, on the field, as well as off of? 100%. In fact, uh, one situation I was recently in, um, a, a team was given their food and they go up to their hotel rooms and they could eat that there. And I thought to myself, uh, I even said to the nutritionist, uh, the other day, not me. this was not me. This is not you, <laughs> clearly, clearly. And I said to her, she was young and in her career and, and said, you know, this is the other day when you had us all eat together, there was something very powerful there that united everybody because people end up sitting at tables that with people they may not normally connect with. That's one big reason. And I said, uh, that was bonding. And I believe that that translates into decreased anxiety, greater support system, uh, increased comfort, so that that when the athlete is able to compete, they're going to feel much better as opposed to sitting in the room, looking at TikTok on their phone while they're eating. Yeah. And really not then paying attention to what they're eating and really not paying attention to what's going to come up soon. How would this be? How could this be a better connection, let's say, between a veteran and a rookie? Well, I'm always telling vets, it's really, really important for them to initiate and go talk to the rookies, invite them to share a meal, sit down together and, and ask them like, like, well, tell me about your family and, and, and tell me about your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend and, and tell me about, you know, your vision for the team and, 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 and what's helped you to thrive in the past. And so, um, from personal experience, one of my uh, most significant moments, in my college journey that really helped me to understand like team success was uh, I got a knock at the door and it was the senior captains. They came around in my room as a freshman football player at Lafayette College. And they said, hey, man, we just want to stop by. We're going around visiting all the freshmen. And they they sat on my bed and they they looked at the pictures and they asked questions. Yeah. When I went to practice the next day, I felt like I would give them more effort. I would have even a better attitude. I was for them. And so that type of like, when you, you know, in a dorm room, you come visit somebody in their dorm room, or if you ride in a car with somebody, or if you uh, see somebody's home or you have a meal, those are the moments that take relationships to the next level. So every veteran or if we're talking college, senior, should really make an effort to get to know intimately, emotionally, I use that word intimately, like emotional intimacy. Yeah, That is going to really help, I hate to use the word bottom up, but like bottom up in terms of those individuals who have less power on the team, feel more quickly that they're included. And, and when we get those individuals to buy in more, practices are better and team morale is better mm-hmm. and it leads to more wins. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wish we could prove that, right? But, right, Jared? Yeah, but yeah it, it is so true. I mean, you can, uh, I, I was just reading something the other day, just looking uh, on Twitter about two different teams and what the budget differences are, but then what that team has that bond with one another that kind of, you know, exceeds what budget can do for a team. There was once a study done on the Dallas Mavericks when they played um, the Miami Heat years ago in the NBA Finals. LeBron James was a, a first-year player on the Heat. They were phenomenal. Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and others. And um, my, uh, Dallas won. And what they concluded is that the Dallas Mavericks um, put their hands on each other more frequently, like almost twice as much as the Miami Heat. So in terms of like hugs and fist bumps and yeah. things like they were picking each other up when they fell off the floor. And it really showed that that type of physical touch really translates to unity. And even though the Miami Heat had more talent and a higher priced uh, salary with their players, yeah. it was unity and it was touch. So when we think about eating a meal with each other, oftentimes two people are going to embrace. They might give a hug or they might share something and, and that type of physicality even though small according to that study that was done with the dallas mavericks it does matter it does matter and that bump i mean you think it's just a fist bump but doesn't it mean so much one of the teams that i've worked with it is just part of the team culture when you walk into the morning the breakfast room in the morning even the lunch room after you just practice with one another you fist bump everybody from equipment managers to head coaches, like everybody is giving a fist bump and it is just expected, but gosh, it's powerful. It's like, boom, got you. I got you. Yeah. yeah. The, the power touch and yeah. it is visceral. You feel it. And, and, and we know from history, like not even related to sports, sitting around a table with others, sharing that time, it does build deeper connection. Sure. Yeah, that, that's true across, across all history is sharing a meal is, is connectedness. It is connectedness. So tell me what someone could do to improve this. I mean, sometimes you hear like, I don't want to go to the team meal. I'd rather just order something to my room. I'd rather just sit here and like prep myself mentally. But should should we all shift into these team meals? Let's, let, let's not even talk about like pregame, just a daily. Like I'd rather run out of, of practice early and not have not share that meal with my teammates so that I can, I don't know, get home and get a haircut or something. Yeah, I think to a certain degree, athletes may want to just emotionally recharge by being with themselves. And I, and I, and I get that there's, there's yeah. a, a place for that as well. But I actually think that the bonding that comes over a meal is, is, is powerful. And in an area that a sports psychologist, sport nutritionist can join together to kind of make that more impactful. Uh, so for example, um, if there's a theme with that meal, right, then people know, okay, we're, today we're supposed to talk about blank. And there might even be somebody facilitating Hey, awesome. So glad you guys are eating. While you're here, I need you to turn to the person next to you right now and ask them this question, right? And just yeah. take five minutes and do that exercise. That kind of facilitation of the meal can help make it a lot more comfortable for people because 
a lot of people may just not have the communication skills where they may eat with the same person again and again that don't really want to talk and and go there. And so having some type of facilitation, let let me give you one small example. Uh, One of the best meals I've ever uh, shared with people, I was at an event in Oklahoma, a good friend of mine led this and they called it the calling up dinner, the calling up. Too often in sports, we call each other out. Hey man, you're not really getting this done. But to call somebody up means uh, a a player would stand up and they would say, hey, look, I just want to call up Nairi. Nairi, you've been with the team for this long and I've watched you and you've done all these things. And that one incident that I saw, you blew everybody away because you handled it like this. And and, and if if a player elaborates and they say, hey, Nairi, I just want to encourage you to keep doing that because that makes a difference. I'm just calling you up regarding it. Now. No, I, you know, that person like me, I sit down and how does Nairi feel? Oh my gosh, that was, I'm blown away. That was Next person does it. And we just kind of yeah. go around the room and then eventually it ends. And that kind of calling up dinner is a way that an athletic team can uh, make it so much more powerful. Now, I feel like athletic teams already do things that are like rituals that, that, that add a little bit of this into it. Just for example, like, a rookie meal where the rookie is required after they get a contract to pay for everybody around the table. Yeah. 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 There it is. There's rituals like that in athletics that are there. And they're just fun, but like, see, like all these things are around meals. They meals are so weaved into the culture of sports beyond just the food that you're being served. Now, now you're right, but there's one place I would push back and say that I'm really saddened by this. When we look at um, college athletics, when we look at high, uh, professional athletics, that's true. I am very disappointed that in America, if we look at youth athletics, the concept of the family dinner oftentimes gets uh, undercut and sabotaged by the practice schedule of youth athletics so that meals are on the run, too, uh, too often families don't get a chance to sit down at the table together um, because they're so uh, busy. Uh, sometimes high school athletes, you know, practice after school, come back home and there could be a, a meal. But in youth, it's 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 really not what we would ideally like to see. Yeah, that's a great topic, Jared. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion in share a meal, too, about uh, family meals and the importance of them. But you know what? It doesn't have to just be dinner. You can have family meal at breakfast. When my kids were all younger and super busy and in the house, we would sit at breakfast. That was my time to really connect with them. And I did picnics in the car with uh, with takeout just to like, stop the car, don't eat while we're moving and just talk for five minutes. You know, it only takes five, seven minutes like a, to really just ask a question and make someone feel a little bit better before they go on to the next phase of whatever they're doing that day. Yeah. Get creative. And that's what we have to do with uh, parenting. Get get creative. Absolutely. So now that we're on youth, how can youth athletes kind of start a ritual? Uh, If they're, you know, maybe I do see a lot of uh, youth teams now having more and more team meals maybe it's just like the Friday night, maybe, and and I've seen this happening more and more, and it's almost becoming like a weekly thing, even for club sports, which I think is such a shift in in the right direction, especially if some 
you know, you don't know anyone's financial situation. It could help out so much to have some of these meals provided for and snacks, you know, pre and post game. But what can a youth athlete do ritually to get them on that path of always making sure they're they're eating the right thing and connecting with their teammates? Well, I, look, this is where I'm going to be negative. I'm, I'm really appalled at what I see in youth athletics because these kids go out there and they play a youth soccer game, for example, I'm not picking on soccer, but I've seen it so many times in youth sports, but in youth soccer, they play a game. And after each game, uh, a parent is assigned the snack. And what do we see the kid given as a snack? You know, high fructose corn syrup drink and some type of chip in a bag. Uh, exactly the opposite of how you'd want to fuel the body after a competition. It's yeah. just like they're just giving them the, the worst things and they're creating habits along the lines of after a game. I understand we were trying to buy in bulk and it might be expensive and difficult to, to have orange slices or a banana for everybody. But my goodness, like something healthy after a game, not what's normally provided. That's where I think a lot of bad habits are getting started. And all of this can also be done very inexpensively. And in a way, it just has to be the right macronutrients in the right at the right time. And post game, especially on tournaments, it's so important. Even a half of a turkey or a ham and cheese sandwich is way goes way above and beyond uh, what any of those quick prepackaged snacks could provide. Yeah, yeah. If we yeah. could so, there is a way, and someone can contact me to let me to, and we'll and we'll we'll hook you up. Well, we we've right. got we've got many many like little tricks of the trade and in, in the toolbox how to make this all possible. But you're absolutely right uh, about that. Um, so, some of the things that uh, might go on in a meal room, we talked about, like you know, a little bit of maybe light hazing or uplifting, which is a great thing that you could do, lift people up that way. And also learning about food there. And I feel like one of the things that athletes can do for one another when they are in a in a training situation or pregame, post-workout, post-training, eating together is hold each other accountable for what's on that plate. You know, you know what you need to be eating. You need, you know that you need to have a significant amount of carbohydrates on that plate to replace energy. You need some protein on that plate and to replace, to decrease muscle damage. And you need to hydrate, have the right amount of fluid. So I feel like that's a time that athletes can say to someone sitting next to them who it doesn't look like they're eating enough or like they're choosing like the wrong foods uh, there at the meal to kind of like, hey, nudge you know, we want to be the best that we can be. You should add a little bit of vegetables maybe to this plate. Well, educate, educate, educate. I mean, that's really the the premise here. And the truth is most people don't know what they don't know. And so anytime uh, somebody like yourself can take a meal and an opportunity to educate them on something, uh, that's that's where we have to use the meal time again for a time that's more effective and efficient. So, for example, one of the things you mentioned right there was uh, hydration. Yeah. Um, sports psychologist, one of the things I see right now among so many athletes is a real spike in anxiety. And when I take a closer look at what's going on with the spike in anxiety, of course, it's multifaceted. But one small facet that I continue to see is dehydration. Yeah. I find that when... You know, if an individual was to drive their car without oil, the, the engine's not going to work so well. 
And it's going to be really problematic. And if one were to try to think and perform, but they're dehydrated, the, the brain needs water. And the dehydrated brain is going to oftentimes lead to a spike in anxiety. And so I'm often asking athletes, you know, please make sure you're properly hydrated. Uh, that's going to really help your emotional regulation skills before you compete. Yes. And I, I love that you bring this up because hydration is very difficult to detect. The thirst mechanism comes in after you're already in a dehydrated state. So you cannot depend on thirst to regulate how much you need to be drinking in a day. Sure. And only a 1% reduction in, in hydration status leads to slower reactive uh, times. And that slow reactive time I mean, it's so imperative because it really can make a difference in injury. You know, it, you make one wrong decision in a split second and you go left instead of going right. And now you have this like strain somewhere in your body that can, it, it, and that then like it, it spirals, it spirals even mentally in you once you have it, uh, any type of injury. So Hydration is really one of the simplest ways to reduce those unintentional injuries, the ones that did not just, you know, you weren't hit by somebody, you made this uh, wrong decision. Absolutely. In sports like wrestling, where there's a weight loss component sometimes and excessive working out at times, uh, hydration yeah. is a really important piece. It really is. All right. I want to jump a topic a little bit. I want to talk about now phones phones at mealtime what like everywhere how do you feel about phones at mealtime uh well i'm not a fan and when i look at any mealtime and we look across the table and see who has their cell phone on the table um there's a nonverbal uh, communication there that you're at, you're really important to me at this moment until that starts to uh, ring or vibrate, then that's more important than you. So it it's a bit of a turnoff, quite frankly. And I'm a fan of, you know, keep the phone in the pocket uh, during meals and yeah. try not to pull it out the table because it is, it is rude in my opinion. And it sends a message inadvertently that whatever you're saying, um, well, we have to pause that right now because this is more important. Yeah. And how about the connection with the food because now you're eating without intention mindlessly you're just kind of eating because it's in front of you and you're eating and you don't really you can't recall what you just ate you don't know how much you just ate because you were on autopilot because your brain was focused on the phone or whatever how many tiktoks can you scroll through at a time while you're eating yeah you know there's a wonderful movie called peaceful warrior and it stars Nick Nolte. He's a bit of a wise old sage. And in that movie, there's a, a scene where he's teaching the young athlete how to eat properly. And they sit down with chopsticks and there's a beautiful display of fruit and, and, and vegetables and such. And the old wise sage played by Nick Nolte was using the chopsticks very deliberately and tasting his food and, and eating, yeah. noticing the texture and the flavor. And the young athlete was just you know grabbing the, the raspberries and the grapes and just shoving them in his mouth. And he's like, you don't even know what you're doing. So mindfulness when it comes to eating is really dis uh, displayed in that scene. I do encourage anybody to watch Peaceful Warrior because it drives home the message of be here now. Yeah. Present in the moment while we are eating. 
and not being, you know, you can be here, but not here if you have your phone. So the idea of be here now is very important for food. I, I just, I love that. I love that. And it means so much. That is just one more level of how you can improve yourself because you know, that, that moment that you're having there with food also is it's, it's meditative in a way. It It, it definitely, like when I use the word meditation a lot, people think, you know, you have to sit in this quiet room with your legs folded and, you know, your fingers like this, oming. And that really, that isn't the definition. The definition of meditation is being there with whatever it is, with your total focus. And it can, you can use food to take you to this level. Well, when our thoughts go in the future, we oftentimes feel a little anxiety. Uh, which is fear of the unknown. And if our thoughts keep going backwards, we can experience some depression, which is really the hurt held inward. And so in the here and the now is where the mind is always safest. And so when you're eating, you have that chance to be in the here and the now with that relationship you have with your food. Yes. That type of be here now meditative relationship is the essence of intimacy And then obviously, if the eyes are up and we're looking at another person uh, across from us, even better. But that pause from the whatever I have to do next or pause from whatever I just did is one of the reasons why meals are so powerful. Be here, be now, be in the present, because the present is where the brain is the safest. Right. Yeah. Ah, that is beautiful. So. We talked a lot about athletes. Now let's talk about athletes in life. So the the entrepreneur, the CEO, the working, the the stay-at-home mom, all of these just are it's energy sucking jobs. Right. How that you can take that extra moment and and connect. So if you're in the business world and you're eating lunch at your desk, how's that helpful? Well, it's not. And the reason it's not um, is because it's only being perceived as beneficial regarding the to-do list. Um, The problem with our culture and society, particularly if you look at uh, Generation Xers, which we are and and, and others, is that we've grown up um, with great work ethic. And so many people that we're talking about would have that drive and that I'm going to get stuff done. But because the technology we're utilizing today for work, we can't possibly keep up with, right? Every email you send, you get about 1.4 in return. So you, you never get done with your emails, right? Never. You, don't you feel so good after you send that email until you hear that uh, ding and you're like, no. Yeah, then, then it comes back, right? And, minute to breathe. Yes. And literally the World Health Organization just recently made burnout a medical diagnosis because our generation is literally burning out because no matter how hard you work, you can't keep up with the technology and yeah. consequently what gets compromised. Well, intimacy, um, self-care. And so it's like, I don't have time to go downstairs to the cafeteria like they did 10, 15 years ago and eat and take a break. Uh, I've got to uh, work at my desk because I'm so uh, driven uh, to get this done, but we can't. And so therein lies a place where the meal at the desk, I understand it, it checks the box for I'm being more efficient with the to-do list, but there's a dangerous backside where it's hurting an individual because we're not connecting. 
Yeah. And and you and you really nailed it with you're being efficient with your to-do list, but you're not being efficient with yourself, which is going to lead to that burnout really in the end. So uh, you know, one of my recommendations is take that 10 minutes, turn everything off. And if you even need to sit at your desk, you can do it in a way to still connect with yourself. But it's so much better to go out and connect with somebody. Don't you think one of your one of the people that you work with and get to know them on a different level and don't just talk shop when you're at lunch? Well, the, the hard part about that is everything you're saying is completely true, but we've seen this culture society, particularly with the younger um, high school kids and, and, and uh, young employees that they become so accustomed to just burying their head in their phone while they're eating that even when somebody goes around to look for somebody like, Hey, I'm just looking to eat lunch with somebody. Most people are like, ah, oh, sorry, I can't, or I've got to, you know, eat here with my AirPods in and, and focus on this. And yeah. I think, um, you know, that's just tragic. And the evidence of this is just go look at any group of high schoolers around a table eating a meal. And it's basically, let me show you what's on my phone. And then I'll look and see what's on your phone. Absolutely. Those Absolutely. I have a story here. I have a, uh, I have a friend who was building a, a new office space. And in his office space, his, his lunchroom, he set it up to, to kind of lend itself to communication. So what that means is what he, he set it up as if we, we, we called it a blue zone. When you enter that lunch space, or what the lounge, it was more like a lounge area. It's a blue zone and it no phones are allowed. There's calm music that is on, tables are round, and you can put several people around them. And you know, there the idea is to push people to sit together and to decrease any of the outside noise. So when you're in there, you're focusing and you are focusing on your food, you're focusing on the people that you are with, and you are turning off the outside world. And you know, that has made such a difference in his workspace. People have taken it to the next level, bringing in meals for each other, one person a week, so that now they're sitting down together. So this is like an office of 20, and they, the once this space was created for connection, the employees themselves have taken it to the next level to, to use it as a space, to connect in a yeah. different in a different way. I love it. And the reason I love it is because of feng shui, right? That's a concept of, you know, uh, manipulating our environment so that we can have greater energy. And if we rethink the meal, we rethink the space we have the meal, it can really do wonders to create a mood and a perspective. A small example is, you know, if you look at most fast food restaurants, they have the color red in mm -hmm. them. Think, think of them all. And the reason I can think of one, yeah. There's a, you know, it's it's symbol symbolizes like a fresh kill. So you know, a couple hundred years ago, if we're out, we have a fresh kill. We see red blood. It's healthy to eat. So it stimulates the primitive part of the brain. If it was purple, if the blood was purple, we don't want to eat that. It could be spoiled. It's gonna make us sick. And mm -hmm. so you don't see those colors in with um, a lot of fast food. In addition, with fast food restaurants, the lights are bright. And the chairs are uncomfortable because you paid up front. So as soon as they got your money, they don't want you there. They want you out. And so the music is fast. But yeah. a fancy restaurant has uh, low lighting. They've got comfortable seating. The vibe is very slow. And the music is, 
is going to be relaxing piano music with no lyrics. The idea is that what an appetizer, uh, have a dessert, get an extra drink, get a cup of coffee, because you're paying at the end, so they're going to make yeah. more money, right? Right. So the concept yeah. of feng shui, when it comes to eating a meal, where we eat a meal, if we start to begin to think about that a little bit more, uh, how that relates to one's own kitchen and their home and their colors and their and their uh, feng shui, it can impact the psychology of eating dramatically. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Absolutely. I've been the coffee shops that don't have Wi-Fi. That's that that's a that's a reason to leave. Wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I see that. <laughs> so Dr. Jared Spencer, I mean, this has been such a great discussion. I, I love your take on team meals and the importance of them cognitively for the person themselves to enhance relationships with teammates, whether it be in the workspace, at home, or in an athletic environment. I mean, it means so much. And we just love, I've loved working with you over all of these years. And I do love your book, Mind of the Athlete where you can get that Amazon. Yes. Yes. Amazon or the website mindoftheathlete.com. Okay, great. You want to leave us with any, any special tips? Well, just to say, and I reach sincerely, you know, you're, you're the best in the business. So when I go out there and I talk about uh, the nutritional aspects and I talk about the psychology and how that blends with, uh, with eating, I always tell people, you know, check out Dr. Nairie. She's the best in the business and what you're doing. So keep doing what you're doing. You're getting your messages out there. And I believe that um, as a person eats, that impacts their psychology tr tremendously. And most of the research supports that right now that we're focusing not so much on the brain and mental health, but really the digestive system. And so uh, the work that's coming out of your field and the work that's coming out of my field are coming together. So I always enjoy working with you. We'll continue to work on projects together for sure, because Absolutely. at the end of the day, when people put those two together, there's optimal performance, greater moods and happiness. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Spencer. Have a great day. It's a pleasure. We're going to do this again. Part two. Okay. Sure. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.